0: Hello, everyone. It's May 22nd. Welcome to the One-Year Bible Tour Guide daily podcast. We are reading the Bible together out loud, and today we are starting our 10th book in the Old Testament, the book of Second Samuel. We are on target for completing all 66 books of the Bible by the end of the year. My name is David McAdam, pastor and teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide. We have family members with me in our Ministry Center studio today, Jonathan and Heather McAdam. They will be reading the remainder of Psalm 118 later in our podcast. Yesterday we completed the book of 1 Samuel, and we followed the lives of four men, Eli the priest, Samuel the prophet, Saul the natural man's choice of king, and David, the king with a heart after God. We also met Saul's son, Jonathan, who had such a positive impact on David's life. Sadly, our reading yesterday concluded with the deaths of King Saul and his sons. Second Samuel picks up where First Samuel left off. David hears of King Saul's death, as well as the death of his beloved friend, Saul's son, Jonathan. So let us go to the book of Second Samuel, where the kingdom is consolidated under King David, Israel's Greatest King. We begin with chapter 1. We are reading from the English Standard Version. David Hears of Saul's Death. 2 Samuel chapter 1. After the death of Saul, when David had returned from striking down the Amalekites, David remained two days in Ziklag. And on the third day, behold, a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And when he came to David, he fell on the ground and paid homage. David said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, How did it go? Tell me. And he answered, The people fled from the battle, and also many of the people have fallen and are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. Then David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? And the young man who told him said, By chance I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul, leaning on his spear. And behold, the chariots and the horsemen were close upon him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me, and called to me. And I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me, Stand beside me and kill me, for anguish has seized me, and yet my life still lingers. So I stood beside him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head, and the armlet that was on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And David said to the young man who told him, Where do you come from? And he answered, I am the son of a sojourner, an Amalekite. David said to him, How is it you were not afraid to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, Go execute him. And he struck him down so that he died. And David said to him, Your blood be on your head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan his son, and he said it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Joshar." He said, Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen! Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle! Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant you have been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women." how the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Chapter 2 After this David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, To which shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David brought up his men who were with him, every one with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. When they told David, It was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul, David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord, because you showed this loyalty to Saul your lord and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you, because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strong and be valiant, for Saul your Lord is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul and brought him over to Mahanaim, and he made him king over Gilead and the Asherites, and Jezreel, and Ephraim, and Benjamin, and all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was forty years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David, and the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. And this concludes our reading from today's portion in the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel. Let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. 2 Samuel begins on a sad note. David laments the death of Saul and Jonathan. How the mighty have fallen in battle. On the third day, after David defeated the Amalekites, he receives word that Saul and Jonathan are dead on Mount Gilboa. Saul will no longer be pursuing him. He happens to meet an Amalekite who is a slave who claims to have killed Saul at Saul's request. In 1 Samuel chapter 31, Saul is in agony after being wounded by an arrow and asks his armor-bearer to kill him. The armor-bearer refuses, and Saul falls on his sword in an attempt to take his life. The armor-bearer perceives Saul to be dead, and he takes his own life. However, 2 Samuel chapter 1 tells us that Saul's suicide attempt was unsuccessful and that he asked the Amalekite to kill him. In a 2008 study done by the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, it was reported that 1.1 million people attempted suicide in the United States that year, but only just over 33,000 succeeded. Saul did not have the sophisticated firearms and lethal drugs that we have today, so it is not difficult to imagine that an attempt of a wounded man to drive sharp metal into his abdomen would not go as quickly and painlessly as he had hoped. David's lament for Saul and Jonathan shows us the respect that he had for Saul's anointed office, despite the wrongful way that Saul treated him. David was not vindictive or bitter. He had learned to make room for the Lord to deal with Saul. Saul's end was a shameful one. David's heart was not to expose or publicize Saul's folly and fall. He does not want to give the enemy anything to glory in. Charity covers. In first Peter chapter four verse eight and James chapter five verse twenty. In contrast to the modus operandi of Saul, David is now inquiring of the Lord more consistently. The Lord directs David to go up to the towns of his tribe Judah. The Lord specifically calls him to Hebron. David is first anointed as king over the house of Judah in Hebron, chapter two, verse four. He reigns there for seven years and six months. David rewards the men of Jabesh-Gilead for showing respect for King Saul and burying him. Meanwhile, Abner, the commander of Saul's army, makes Saul's 40-year-old son Ishbosheth king over the rest of Israel. He was to reign for two years. David puts his songwriting talents to good use and writes a lamentation, encouraging the people to focus on the positive aspects of King Saul. David is a man after God's heart of forbearance and forgiveness. He gives instruction through this song in 2 Samuel 1, verse 20. Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, the daughters of the uncircumcised will exult. And then in verse 23, Saul and Jonathan, beloved and pleasant in their life, and in their death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Now let's go to today's New Testament reading, from John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 20 through 50. John, chapter 12, verse 20. Some Greeks seek Jesus. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going while you have the light believe in the light that you may become sons of light when jesus had said these things he departed and hid himself from them though he had done so many signs before them they still did not believe in him so that the word spoken by the prophet isaiah might be fulfilled lord Who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their hearts and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God and Jesus cried out and said whoever believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me and whoever sees me sees him who sent me I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness if anyone hears my words and does not keep them I do not judge him And this is the end of our reading from the new testament the gospel according to john when the gentile or non-jewish believers converts to judaism went up to worship at the temple in jerusalem for the feast of passover they had an earnest request to see jesus is not that our enduring request also we want to see jesus jesus gives an answer that reminds us of what the apostle paul taught he speaks of his purpose The hour has come for Him to be glorified as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The hour has come for Him to be the good seed that falls into the ground and dies in order that there be a miraculous reproduction of His life in a resurrection harvest. We can only truly see Jesus if we see Him treated to the cross, His substitutionary death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. His life can only come to us by way of His death. To see Jesus as He truly is, you must follow him to the cross. There, he shows you the penalty your sin deserves and the only remedy for the reign of sin, his putting the sinner to death on the cross. As a result of what Jesus accomplished for us and as us on the cross, we now reckon on the reality of our redemption, our co-crucifixion, co-burial, co-resurrection, and co-ascension with Christ. We are made alive to God in him. With His indwelling life working in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will not only see Him, but we will know Him and go on knowing Him in our experience. The Greeks seeing Jesus is a foreshadowing of the nations that will be gathered in the age following Pentecost. First, we see Jesus crucified and risen, the first fruit of the resurrection. Then we will see his life reproduced in a resurrection harvest, the fruit of his falling into the ground to die, only to be raised in newness of life. The believing Greeks are grafted into the resurrection vine. Jesus predicts the outcome of the cross, people being drawn from death to life, darkness to light, drawn from emptiness to fullness. It is important to believe on the Lord Jesus while he is being illuminated to our hearts understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit while you have the light believe in the light so that you may become sons of light these things jesus spoke and he went away and hid himself from them john chapter 12 verse 36 even among the religious leaders many believed in christ but because of fear of the pharisees they would not confess their faith do you fear god more than men if so you should have no trouble confessing christ publicly the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. God the Father gives His third commendation of Jesus as His beloved Son in John chapter 12, verse 28. The first time was when the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, when Jesus was being baptized by John. Then on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Now, in the Gospel of John, the Father glorifies His name in His self-revelation, His Holy Son, Jesus. Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came out of heaven, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And now we go to the Bible's book, the book of Psalms. And my son and daughter-in-law will be reading from Psalm 118, verses 19 to 29. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them, and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me, and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Thank you, Jonathan and Heather. This final psalm among the Hallel Psalms, in Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, was a fitting one for pilgrims to sing as they came to the gates of Jerusalem. There is only one who is fit for opening the doors of righteousness, Jesus Christ the righteous. In First John chapter 2, verse 1, we read, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. As Jesus came down the Mount of Olives in the triumphal procession on Palm Sunday, how fitting it was for pilgrims to shout out these words concerning Jesus, the Son of David, who would become the cornerstone of a new creation, a new temple. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Psalm 118, verses 22-23. through Jesus' work on the cross, brings a lost creation back to the seventh-day rest, a day that had no morning or evening, an eternal day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now we go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15, verses 27-28. through 28. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The consequences of sin can infect an entire household. There are those who think only of their profit, and they will do whatever it takes to reach that end, even if it causes them family trouble. In the second proverb, we are again reminded that those who are wise are cautious how they answer and choose their words carefully. Those who are wicked often blurt out foolish, harmful, and perverse things. Now let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, teach me how to love what you love and to respect the work of your hands. We want to see Jesus as he truly is, our advocate at your right hand. Jesus as the one who was treated to the cross to take the punishment of our sin, as the one who died and rose to represent us in righteousness may we be fully surrendered to the vision of your glory in the finished work of redemption. When we think of what you have done in Christ, it is marvelous in our eyes. And may the glory of your person fill our hearts and minds in such a way as to compel us to pursue your choice purposes for our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, thank you for joining us on this 22nd day of the month of May. I trust that the words we have read will help to fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So until next time, may you be filled with his love and the knowledge of his will. And if you have any questions or comments we'd love to hear from you, you can write us on an email at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts and its many ministries, you can go to our website newlife.org. And you can also learn about New Life Fine Arts Musical Theater and our summer camp at newlifefinearts.org. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.